Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Barca Talk, Lionel Messi is now the all-time biggest winner of the Ballon d'Or. Ansu Fati has a new contract. El Clasico will not escape protests. And we're scouting Mallorca for this weekend's La Liga match in the Camp Nou. Hey, this is Barca Talk, the podcast about FC Barcelona for Barca fans. I'm your host in Buffalo, New York, Brian Henderson. Joining me is my co-host and your tactical analyst in Madrid, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How you doing, buddy? I've been better. Yeah? No? Yeah. No. Yeah. But, you know, I'm doing better than a lot of other people. Okay. It's been an interesting week of uh, what we would call spending events, maybe. I see. Starting with last Friday, we had Black Friday. Okay. But then this week, Monday was Cyber Monday, so of you can course. get all your elect- your online shopping done. And then Tuesday, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Tuesday was Giving Tuesday. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good day. It's a good way for, you know, charitable foundations and, you know, people seeking uh, support for good causes to sort of get in on that whole spending frenzy that sure. we're in right now in this holiday season. So I did not uh, give to any any organizations on Tuesday, but just today I did uh, throw some support to Wikipedia. Mm. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, you know supporting things that I like. Nice, nice. Um, <laughs> as much as I can. Okay. So you know I gave Wikipedia a little bit of something today. I wish I could give more honestly yeah, yeah. to all the things that I'm interested in. Megan and I used to donate to the ACLU. We stopped just because money was getting tight and we were you know, cutting corners everywhere sure. we could. So like that, that really leads into sort of why I'm not doing so great right now, which was that, you know, we, we launched this big campaign, this crowdfunding campaign on Monday and uh, the response uh, was not great, but we're going to see what we can do about that. Yeah. You tried to dwindle the Classico tickets. We tried different things and yeah, we didn't get a great response. So I can see why, you know, you're a little disheartened with it, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, with the long campaign that we have planned for this, that hopefully we'll get some better turnout um, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I'm re- this is going to be a big month. It's a big month for Barca. Fairly slow week right now, but starting next week, the schedule is going to get so much more intense. And we've got Classico coming, rescheduled Classico, uh, wedged into the schedule there. So it's going to be an even bigger month than it was going to be to begin with. For sure. But, you know, the top story this week in Barcelona world was about Messi winning the Ballon d'Or. Oh, I'm sorry. How are you doing? I'm good, Brian. I'm good. Things Thank are you. okay? Yeah. I mean, I, I, Brian, December is the best month in Spain, man. It's like, is it? Oh, I don't even, first of all, there's like 10 working days. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were just talking before. We have a long weekend this weekend, so everyone's off tomorrow and Monday. And then on top of that, everyone's going to be off for Christmas until the 6th of January. So when do you work? I mean, there's like yeah. when. And the other thing, too, is with all – I mean, everyone loves holiday dinners here, either with your business or with your friends. So I'm basically booked up for like the next weekends with holiday dinners and different plans. So December is definitely one of my favorite months for sure. Yeah, it sounds like the the party time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was just walking home from work right now, and all the streets are filled because no one has to work tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Everyone's just out. Yeah. And even though it's freezing here, people are just whining and topping it up here. Well, I'm glad you're doing well, and yes. I'm glad that you have a happy that you have a five day weekend ahead of you. Yeah, the puente, baby. Yeah, it's all about the puente. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting back to what I was mentioning before, the I don't know if it's the big news, but it is the thing that a lot of people are talking about, which is that Lionel Messi has now won six Ballon d'Ors. He won his sixth on Monday night at the at the ceremony, and it's you know he's a record breaker. And I don't think that Ronaldo is going to be able to to catch him for sure, because especially Ronaldo is not performing like he normally has. He's kind of gone down into goal output this year. But again, more importantly, there's been a lot of debate here, especially in Madrid, obviously with if Messi was worthy of winning and basically it just comes down to how many competitions did he win? I mean, that's really what they're basing it on. You know, we've talked and we've seen the whole year what he's done, not only as a playmaker, goal scorer, assist, and also free kick taker. And I am biased. I'm completely biased towards Messi. So I'm not hiding that, but for me, he's still the best player of the year. Now Van Dyke for me had a phenomenal year as a defender, but if we didn't have Messi's performances, we don't go as far in different competitions where I think Liverpool still continue to, to win the Champions League and climb those ranks as they did before, even without Van Dijk. Yeah, and it's so hard for a defender to yeah. win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, for sure. Because there aren't as many uh, measurables yeah. for defenders as there are with attackers. Exactly. They're not sexy stats, right? It's not goals, essentially. Uh, right. I mean, it's kind of amazing that Luka Modric, a midfielder, won it last year. Exactly. It's even rare for a midfielder to get one. Exactly. And this is the thing is that, you know, here, you know, basically it's a beauty pageant, essentially, right? Because the <laughs> voting is so weird, you know? You basically, a representative from each country has a vote, and they vote in five different ways. And everyone has their own opinions and biases, okay? So, for example, you give one point, three points, five points, and I think seven points. I think that's how it goes. And mm. so, for example, they were just showing the ballots of random countries. So, like, for example, the Ivory Coast. They voted Mane, uh, uh, Salah, a bunch of African players in their top seven, you know? And it's just weird because it's like that's their bias and that's who they support. And it's a lot of, like, political compromises going on you know with this kind of vote so it's amazing to me that Messi was even able to win this because there was a lot of votes for Van Dyke. I mean Messi only won by I think seven votes yeah I'm looking at the numbers right now and let me yeah it was seven votes 686 to 679 for Van Dyke. so you know it was a close one for sure for sure <laughs> I mean it's close I mean the thing is like you said, for a defender, it's going to be almost impossible. It, it really has to be that the whole you know, playing field is not scoring and the defender is such a great player making such a huge difference. Now, for me, Van Dyke right now is the top defender in the world. But again, with Messi's output again for what he did, I just think is just more impressive than Van Dyke's stats. 
the thing that comes along with the Ballon d'Or is exactly what's happening right now, right? Yeah. Is us talking about should Messi have won it? Should Van Dyke have won it? Why? What's the criteria? It's, it's, it's just like you said, people get votes and they use them however they see fit. And and the hope is that something like a democratic ideal will win out. <laughs> and yeah, it was a tight race. So kudos to Van Dyke for getting so many votes being a defender against Lionel Messi, who is Lionel Messi. Exactly. You know, I mean, we should almost come like there should be a separate Ballon d'Or where if you came second to Messi, you'd still get a trophy. <laughs> That's a very millennial thinking there, Brian. You know, get, get a trophy for losing, you know? Participation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, like you said, it creates debate. I mean, there is no, you know, what I think is important. You know, I, I kind of value this as like an MVP trophy. Are you mm-hmm. the most valuable player? Where someone else may value it as something different. And, you know, again, this is just something to put in the stat book to say that he has won six Ballon d'Ors. And it's basically just to say he one-upped Ronaldo. And actually, mm-hmm. Brian, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really my takeaway from this win in yeah, particular yeah, is sure. that he has more than Ronaldo. Exactly. And and this debate will eventually die. Correct. The local, you know, the current one will eventually die. And what it's going to persist through history is his six Ballon d'Ors to Ronaldo's five. Exactly. And, you know, during this uh, gala, uh, the Madrid TV show that I watch here, the Chiringuito show, they sent their unbiased, and I'm using air quotes, unbiased Madrid reporter who is friends with Ronaldo. They sent him to the gala. (laughs) And there was a little bit of uh, some controversy. I I don't know, controversy. But anyway, Ter Stegen and Messi were on the carpet being interviewed. And this guy, Edu, his name is Edu, he's a reporter, he basically tried to grab Ter Stegen for the interview. And Ter Stegen was like, leave me alone and just walked away. So points <laughs> for Ter Stegen right there. And then on top of that, Messi was doing interviews and he, people were asking him questions. And this guy, Edu, just started speaking over Messi with the question. <laughs> and Messi turned on and said, let me finish my answer. Let him finish his question. I will come to you. And then Edu just kept repeating the question louder and louder where Messi just walked away from him. So yeah, well, quality journalism from the Madrid uh, Ronaldo's friend. That's an old trick. Yeah. That's an old trick. You, you, be, you essentially create the situation where they can't actually respond. You behave entirely inappropriately and unreasonably so that you can say that the person you were putting the question to denied answering you. For sure, for sure. And again, it's a, it's a dirty trick in journalism. Yeah. And so people were just talking. His name is Edu Aguirre. So that's his name. And he's, you know, he tries to be best friends with Ronaldo. Like he has traveled with him. And again, like I tell you, Brian, here in Spain, it's just so funny how completely biased the journalists are here. And they just do not care that they fully support Real Madrid. So everything they say, you just have to take with a grain of salt. Yeah, well, I mean, and this goes for Barcelona, too. It cuts yes, that way sure, as well. Yes, for sure, for sure. There are journalists who are essentially groupies. Yep, good. I and like that's it. Kind, yeah, and that's kind of what we are. I mean, if we had that kind of access, I think we would take advantage of it. I would say yes and no. You know, I think I know. I mean, you know, it depends. Right. I, I think we are not part of this newspaper. We're trying to portray a unbiased aspect we are definitely biased because we are fans first and then we started this podcast. But again, this guy is, quote unquote, supposed to be a journalist working for a newspaper. It's just always still strange to me, Brian, to see how these journalists defend basically the escudo 
of their team to the death. You know, it doesn't matter whatever. And it's just crazy. Like, especially with this debate of Messi winning this award, you would have assumed that Madrid was completely ousted and you know they were just defending that Messi was not that good last year yeah he was I mean yeah he wasn't that good yeah basically because he didn't win champions is what they said that's irony by the way (laughs) I was being ironic in late in case you had any questions but I feel like we're belaboring this point just a bit much so anyway congratulations to Messi for yet another Ballon d'Or a couple other bits of news Ansu Fati, his contract has been extended and his buyout clause has been raised. It's not a first-team pro contract, but his overall contract with uh, with Barca has been extended to 2022. And if he does move up to a pro contract, that buyout clause is going to go up to 400 million euro. The new deal raised it from 100 to 170. So he's you know he's feeling loved by Valverde, loved by the fans. The club has shown it with pen on paper. They've increased the deal. So he's got to be feeling really good right now. Exactly. I mean, he's worked hard and, you know, he actually has the manager believing in him and actually playing him. And it's, you know, quite a difference. You know, for example, if you compare him to, let's say, Carlos Perez, for example, right? Just the amount of playing time that Fatih's getting compared to Perez. And so now you're seeing the dividends. The club believes in him and so forth. Now, we heard from our Barca B correspondent, Max, last weekend about the Ricky Puj situation. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Ricky Puj now because that here is brewing in Spain about that situation. Are they going to loan him? Are they going to keep him? Obviously, with the Fati, with the buyout, that gives them a little bit more security. But again, the big talk here is not the Fati contract. It's definitely the Ricky Puj situation that's coming because... What do you want, Brian? Do you want him to stay? Of course and, I want him to stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want him to play. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me wonder, though, like, what was Fati looking like last season for the under-19s? He must have just been out of this world. For sure. Yeah. In that division. Because he's going up against, you know, top-tier talent in La Liga and and looking good. Yeah. Still looks like he's 17, but... But like a really, really good 17, he must have just been tearing up that under 19 division. Yeah, I mean, I for him, for, for him as a player, like I'm watching him from the outside, I would say he's a perfect blend of talent and system that is just completely working for him at this young age, which is accelerating him through the ranks, right? And that just happens a lot of times in sports with phenomenons, right? The perfect match of the system with their talent and they just skyrocket and they just find success. I think for Fati, you know, he's playing within himself, right? He's not doing anything super crazy or whatever. He understands his role and the system that's being asked of him. And he's just being able to play with confidence and also to produce goals. And I think that's really exceptional because when you are an adolescent or teenager, first of all, you're trying to figure out your game. Like, what are you doing? Are you fast? Are you a playmaker? What's that? And Fati was able to do that sooner. And that's why he's able to have more success. And now you can see with this contract extension. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as the Ricky Pooch thing, you know, he's he's in a different situation where he's a little bit older. He's already at Barca B, also a phenomenon of his of his own type. And I think it's just difficult because of that really crowded midfield that we have in the first team. I mean, honestly, there are guys who are already on the first team, midfielders who can't get playing time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, right? It's like, how do we rotate the veterans? And obviously, Valverde has no faith with the youth. I mean, that's just what it is. He's just trying to ride out the season and just trying to get the wins that he can. I mean, he's just trying to do enough to survive. He doesn't care about 
our future as a club. He just doesn't, no. right? And so, you know, there's a big debate here with the Ricky Puj situation because obviously Clivert wants to kind of loan him out to a smaller club, whereas Puj wants to stay and work through the ranks. We still are lacking the identity of promoting our youth through the systems and giving them the opportunities because that's ultimately happened with our veterans now. They were given those opportunities. We still have to funnel players, especially like Puj, Fatih, and Alenia. Yeah, I mean, one thing that Max brought up in his last segment was that that Puj is already outclassing Segunda B talent. He's outclassing the rest of Barca, most of the rest of Barca B, if not all of it. So he's poised for some move into the first tier, into a Primera side. You got to make the room for him, especially if you want the fans on your side. Exactly. I mean, we we need to continue to promote our academy and youth players coming through and also to have the opportunity, you know, why are younger players going to sign with Barcelona if they know in the future they have no chance of making the senior team or right. very limited, you know, that's the thing you have to sell the youth on when you're scouting them and trying to have them sign with you, especially top tier talent when you're competing against Real Madrid. Again, Real Madrid is not doing any better, so that's a good thing. But we've always had this in our DNA to promote within, and our academy has always been our crown jewel. And lately, it's just we're still with the board, are not identifying those talent and giving them opportunities. Because right now is a perfect time where we need to see rotation of youth and having those veterans kind of move to the side a little bit because of how many minutes they've played, as we always continue to say. Yeah, yeah, and maintaining a legacy. But we mentioned the uh, the Classico a little bit. We have a couple of things to talk about the upcoming Classico. Apparently this group, I, you told me about this, and I had to look them up for the first time. This group, Tsunami Democrati, or Democratique, organizing a um, peaceful protest, I believe. That seems to be their whole thing, is that not, this nonviolent protest action at the upcoming Classico. It's actually a farce. So this is the thing. Yeah, they don't want to get arrested. So they have to say peaceful. Right. The main idea is they basically started an app and are having people sign up for it. And once you sign up for it, you're going to receive notification and news of like where to meet and what this disruption is going to be. Now, they basically say on the app because on the news they were highlighted. This is big news here in Spain here, especially in the last two days. Sure. Basically, they have said that they have more than 10,000 people ready to disrupt the Classico. And what that means really is that they're going to do anything they can to disrupt the Real Madrid van or actually bus coming to the Camp Nou. So that's basically their biggest goal. So to essentially harass Real Madrid. Exactly. So they are they have to say peaceful because, you know, legally they're not going to say we're going to. But Tsunami Democratic are in charge of the antagonization with the police and trying to confront them and try to do that. So this is really big news here because, you know, obviously from before that's been pushed back here. Now it's going to be what is Real Madrid going to do? Is it going to be safe? Barca has not come out to really defend or go against this, right? So they're kind of staying neutral as they always do. As they do. Yeah. As they do. And they really haven't followed up with any kind of press release or anything like that about guaranteeing the safety. And that's really what it's going to come down to. Now, I think they've had so much time to plan for this that I think they're going to have enough security, Guardia Seville, um, Mosos and everything like that of all the police to help out with this event. 
But still, 10,000 people is still 10,000 people, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could break out into a riot. Exactly. Exactly. And, it's, and especially with the, you know, the populate, the tourist population that don't really follow Catalan independence or Catalan politics, they're going to be kind of put in the middle of it and they're just going to kind of ride along with that. And you, that 10,000 can easily escalate to 40,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Tebas had a statement about it today. He, they basically interviewed him today and he said, yeah, we have to try. I mean, their main concern is the guarantee of the players and the teams. And, you know, again, there's been plenty of time and I'm just hoping that they've put the proper protocols and they're going to do the proper thing. Because Brian, just seven days ago, when Messi was trying to leave the camp, no, he was barraged by fans. He couldn't even leave the camp, no. So this is why this is really kind of a big talking point here, because just last weekend, security was not seen at the camp, no, just for a regular La Liga game. And oh. so they have to really put these protocols to ensure the safety of the team, more importantly for the uh, Classico to hit off. I think they need to transport all of the Real Madrid players and personnel <laughs> to the game in unmarked cars. That's what just, they're going to do. Yeah, just like individual cars so, so they, that people don't know. Yeah, I mean, they were saying that they're going to do the bus, you know, obviously without any of the fanfare that they usually do for other teams, you know. This mm -hmm. is going to be a, a charter bus. But even that, I like your idea. It's just kind of like uh, in that movie SWAT where they – where they kind of do like a diversion and they go under the tunnels and the cars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just have them put a baseball cap and sunglasses on and, and just take the subway. No yeah. one would even think. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, is that Sergio Ramos? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there are a couple of players, Real Madrid players, who are not going to be available for the Classico due to uh, injuries. And it's not nobody's. Yeah. Like uh, Hazard apparently has a fractured ankle. Yeah, so basically got hurt in their last home game, and it was a pretty bad knock. And they just said it was going to be a knock, and he was going to rehab, and he was going to miss 10 days. Well, apparently, with the rehab and so forth, he basically stress fractured it. So uh, it's pretty bad news. He's going to be out for a while. Um, you hate to see star players miss the Classico because I think it just adds to the glitz and glamour. But at the same time, I'm happy he's missing the, right. the, the Classico <laughs> because that just means – they have to pipeline either Bale or Rodrigo. And for me, I just – I feel more comfortable with those players being in there than, than Hazard. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, not all Classicos are the same. Correct. Some – I mean, we've had Classicos where we've had injured players and vice versa. You know, it's it's a fluid thing. So yeah. maybe it won't be the, the height of Classicos, but it, it is still what it is. It's always a big match. For sure, for sure, and I mean, again, that just came out today. So they were uh, they were doing some tests, and he was not getting better, and so they just did an X ray, and they're like, "Oops, stress factor." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks as though Marcelo might also be out as well. He has a calf injury now. If this was a Classico four years ago, I would be like, "Wow, man, Madrid is really missing a playmaker, a tough player." They're actually better without him. I mean, I'm, it's true because he <laughs> no, just does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he just doesn't press as much as he used to. Really, all he's there is for his playmaking and attacking. He, I mean, for us, you know, as Kool-Aid's, I like to have him there because of his lack of defensive responsibilities that he does. So they're actually a better team without him defensively. Okay. Yeah. So so they lose Hazard, good for us. Yeah. But they also lose Marcelo, bad for us. Bad for us. Even. Even Steven. So it all evens out. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, this what I was mentioning when we started the show is how, you know, we launched this crowdfunding campaign on Monday. And 
You know, 1,300 people have listened to that episode, just that episode so far, and only two, one, two people have become new members uh, of our crowdfunding campaign on Patreon, and two existing members increase their monthly support, and, you know, we just, we have to do better, or we should just stop doing the show. I mean, like, it's not that, like, that's not, I'm not trying to be, like, a threatening or alarmist, but... That's that's just the truth of it. Like, yeah, yeah. If there isn't enough interest in the show, then we, we really should just stop doing it, you know, because this takes a lot of work. But like one of our existing members who increased his pledge told me that he's not concerned with the Classico ticket giveaway thing that we're doing. He just wants us to keep up the good work. And I want to keep up the good work. I want to do better work, too. I want the show to get even better. But with a response like that, two out of 1,300 people, I did the math, by the way. That's 0.15%. Taking action, that seems actually kind of like a clear signal that a lot of people who listen to the show don't want us to keep up the good work. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't know why you're listening if you don't like the show that much. There's no shortage of podcasts you could be listening to, but you're still listening. So let's assume that you think we do good work here and you'd like us to keep up the good work. So then prove it. Just become a member on Patreon. Like, we're recording this on Thursday. At this moment, we have 51 patrons for a total of $253 a month in support. By the time the Barcelona-Mallorca match starts on Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern in the U.S., I think we should have a total of 300 patrons. And the only reason that we couldn't achieve that is because you've decided to do nothing. Our goal is really, it seems really massive, right? It's like $10,667 a month. And if we can reach that goal and keep it up for the next six months, then this show is going to get a lot better and we will stop asking for Patreon support. Not for a month, not for forever. It'll save our members money in the long run because we will stop charging them after that. And the show will be even better, especially next year. And one of our other existing members said, I don't get it. Why such a massive amount? And it's a fair question. It's it's a much bigger number than the one we're at right now. But if you visit our Patreon page, there is this nine-minute video where I break down the numbers <laughs> and tell you what we have planned for the budget. And clearly that member didn't watch the video. And I can't say I blame him. You know, I tried to keep it short, but it's not. It is not. <laughs> it's not very short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because in it, I give a full lay of the land. I mean, it's like it's almost like a business presentation, right? Sure. How many listeners we have? How many members we have compared to that? And if you think we're trying to reach a big number, let me counter by saying that the proportion of our listeners who are becoming members is embarrassingly small, less than 1%. And we'd have to get about 50% of those listeners to become members to reach our goal. So like if you visited the Patreon page and then decided to not become a member, which is happening, um, maybe you're thinking, I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm I'm wondering... Maybe you're thinking, there's no way they'll meet this goal. There's no point. I'm not going to do it. Well, that's what we call a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, like, you won't help us reach the goal because you've decided that we can't reach the goal. Well, of course we can't if you don't step up. So with all of this running through my head, you know, I donated to Wikipedia today because I use Wikipedia a lot. And they are entirely donor-funded. But what this whole effort is about is about us getting free of being listener-funded. But we need, essentially, seed money. Think of it as an investment in the future of Barca Talk, an investment in never having to listen to these appeals again on this show, never having to listen to me say this again, (laughs) because I don't know if you think I enjoy doing this, maybe, because I really don't. I would much rather just talk about Barca 
and focus on making a good show about Barca. But I have to eat, too. Right? This podcast doesn't just happen. Every episode takes hours of work to make. Promoting it takes work. And at least some of you think that it's good work. So help us keep up the good work. We can't keep doing it for free. And like I said, the response we got on Monday seemed like a clear message to me that a lot of you could care less if we're here or not. And that's fine. I would rather keep doing it, keep growing, keep improving. But, you know, if we don't have the support from you now, we can't keep doing it. That's just where it's at now. Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Gabriel, have you like I'm I've been listening to public radio in the U.S. for at least the last 20 years of my life, maybe more. So I'm very accustomed to listening to like pledge drives on the radio and that sort of thing. I remember when I was young and I first was hearing these, I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of a nuisance, but I'll listen to something else. But I would always come back because when I would switch to like commercial radio, I hate commercial radio even more than I hate listening to a pledge drive on public radio personally. But then eventually I started, I, you know, I give to public radio at least one public radio station a year because that's something I believe in. And it is a little strange for some to give money for something that you can get for free. But the fact is, if you don't, then that thing that you're getting for free is going to disappear. So that becomes the question. Like, do I want this thing to disappear? If not, support it. If you don't care, then, you know, don't. That's that's fine. And then that'll send us the message that we need to get. I mean, you said everything I would have that I would have loved to have said, right? I mean, this this was really uh, well taken. So, again, you know, we work hard to put this out. It takes a lot of man hours to do it. Uh, you know, for example, right now we're recording and it's close to midnight my time here. So yeah, just to because put it in perspective. you have a job teaching English <laughs> at night in yeah, Madrid. Exactly. And so I love talking Barca. You know, I'll talk with the best of them. I love to give you the point of view here from Spain as well. And, you know, one of our uh, kind of visions for next season is to, you know, send someone and Max as, as well to more games to get some different audios and different commentaries from the games. But we cannot continue to grow without your support. And that's just basically what it is. And so, you know, I, I didn't want to text you this week because I knew how you were feeling. I could tell already just from, (laughs) from the lack of people that showed up. And so, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to go one way or the other, right? Either we're going to continue or we're going to stop. And that's just basically it. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I don't want to, but if that's, if that's the, the signal, the message that we get, then, you know, these things happen. For sure. You know, uh, I don't want it to go that way, but if it does, it does. All right, so we'll take a little bit of a break. You may or may not hear an ad, and then we'll scout Mallorca for La Liga this weekend. All right, welcome back. Even if no time seems to have passed at all, (laughs) this weekend, Saturday, December 7th, at 9 p.m. local time in the Camp Nou, Mallorca. Lowly, lowly Mallorca. They were just, uh, Mallorca was newly promoted this year. They finished La Liga 2 the second division in fifth last year, and then they won the promotion playoff. And they are not faring nearly as well in the first division as their fellow promotees, Granada and Osasuna, who are both sitting nicely mid-table. Mallorca is in 17th place, and they've already spent a couple of weeks in the relegation zone so far, having scored only 14 goals, conceded 23, and they just suffered a a home loss, a 2-1 home loss to Betis last weekend. And they also lost to Levante on the road before that. So they're not in good form, having a rough season. I mean, Mallorca, beautiful place to visit, terrible football. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, yeah, I mean, I watched that their crown jewel victory of the season. They beat Madrid at home. So that was their best victory. But that was also at a time when Madrid was struggling mightily at the beginning of the season. So they were able to take advantage of that. But I'm going to have to say this, and I haven't been able to say this in a long time, Brian, but we should be able to wall up this team. Yes. And, you know, on paper, just the way we've been playing recently, our form, you know, with the with the victories that we've had, I hope that we come out gangbusters. Now, we don't have the early kickoff. Great. We have that in our favor. We're at home, 9 o'clock local time, even better, right? Perfect. Yes, exactly. So we have these external factors working for us. Now we just have to see if the last couple games have kind of built a little bit more momentum going forward. They're not the best team. They're at, like you said, they're at the bottom of the table. They are suffering, you know, basically from, you know, being promoted and just not having the depth that most teams have yet. And so again, we really hope to see a good performance. More importantly, I want to see a shutout and I want to see Griezmann score. Those are my two things I want to see. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, with Mallorca, you know, they, like I said, they came in fifth and then they won the promotion playoff and they did have that good result this year against Real Madrid. So they certainly have it in them to come to an unfamiliar stadium, to an intimidating away stadium and still perform. They clearly have some kind of a a scrappy spirit to them where they can claw things out at times. But I was watching them against Betis last weekend. This is in their home stadium, which is like not a good stadium for no, football. It's no, got no, the running no. track and yeah. then it's like bullring style where there's a a 10-foot wall and then there's stands. It's yeah. like not a good stadium for football. But they looked horrible. Good good on you for watching that match. That's hey, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched the, I the only match I saw of them was against Madrid and they were able to expose Madrid with their speed on the flank, but they should have scored a couple more goals. They lack that ability to score those goals, especially on those 1v1. So they do have some speed on the side that could give us a little bit of trouble, but I think that we should have enough possession to limit them. Again, I really want to see in this match, I mean, it's really not about Mallorca. You know, the last couple of matches we've kind of talked about, okay, what are the opponents going to do? I'm not worried about them in this match. I really want to see some really good possession, Brian, and I want to see some really direct attacking. I want to see some attacking with teeth in it, not just taking shots just to take shots, you know? And I really want to see the Messi, Griezmann, Suarez link up. I think it's really vital that they start scoring some more goals and really have fun playing like they used to with Neymar because I think that's really going to help us leading into the Clasico. Yeah, and I was thinking earlier today as I was preparing for this show that – you know, if if Valverde puts the strongest eleven he has available out on the pitch, they should win it within the first half. So, you know, we're talking Messi, Suarez, Griezmann. They should have three, four goals in. Yeah, by yeah. by halftime. Yeah, I mean exactly right, but it's not played on paper, Brian. That's the that's thing. true. Uh, I, know, I know. You don't play football on paper. Do you we don't, understand you this? Don't, you don't. But that could also create the uh, circumstance for maybe some other players to get some time. You know. Fingers crossed there. But one thing that we mentioned on Monday was that this could be the perfect time to continue developing the 4-2-3-1 tactic. You know, like you said, it's conditions are perfect. It's 9 o'clock on Saturday at home. No midweek match. Plenty of training time to work on it. A weak side visiting the home field. Everything, you know, is in line to 
continue working on that uh the four two three one experiment that just barely got the win against Leganes, but did not look <laughs> convincing by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know, I'm all for this. You know, this is I'm gonna get this on the tat- a tattoo on my arm. You know, four this two is the three GQ one formation. This is this is my favorite <laughs> formation again. I would love to see it, and I would love just to see like Dejong and Busquets back there. I think if we're going to use this formation, I think they that would f- suit our team the best. But more importantly, it has Messi up the middle, playmaking directly behind Suarez, and then using uh, a right winger, you know, whoever that may be. You know, again, I like it because of the balance and the depth that we have, and then also it keeps us defensively sound. I am all for it, Brian. I really hope that. Valverde gets some guts and does it because, again, this is the perfect situation. You have a lot of uh, time and patience in this game to let it develop. And we saw against Leganes that they were starting to come together towards the end of it, but then they switched at halftime. So I really want to see this. I think it's more beneficial for us, especially for tougher Champions League matches and the Clasico. Yeah, and just to have something else in your arsenal. Right, because like we said against Leganes, it looked like hot garbage, <laughs> just hot steaming garbage. But it has a lot of potential, and we have the players who could do it. They just need to practice it more. I just want to see Messi up the middle. I think he wants to play it. Let's let him play it. But we just need to have someone on the right to balance that out. And I just think you know, like you said, hot garbage at first, and I think it could eventually work. I really just, I mean, whatever it's a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3-3, I think the most important thing that we have to look at this match is the partnership of the three forwards up there. Because if they start to click, you know, they're starting to kind of almost get there, you know, especially we saw in the Atletico wonder goal. And also (laughs) before that, when they all scored each, you're starting to see a little bit more confidence with Griezmann. You know Griezmann is able to do it. He's a world-class player. And he's right there. And I'm hoping that maybe, you know, he flew with the guys to France. He did. Because you know, he was part. He was on the private jet. So hopefully these many more moments that he has alone with Messi, for example, and the top players of the team gives him a little bit more gravitas where he's able to have that kind of confidence with the team that they start to believe in him more. He's more of the teammate. He's more of the friend. And that hopefully will translate to more goals on the, on the field. Yeah, the interpersonal aspect, the social, you know, off the pitch aspect of it could not be discounted. But I just want to bring it back again to a management tactical perspective, which is if you're let's say you're a pitcher right in baseball, Mm -hmm. you can't just have one pitch. You're never going to get to the majors with just one pitch. So if all we have is four, three, three. It might be a great four-three-three, and I know that the two aren't really super analogous, but you know what it I'm is, saying. It it's like yeah, it's yeah. it's good to have another pitch in in your arm so that you can throw the, uh, your opposing manager off. Definitely, I mean this happens in the NFL all the time, where they'll just throw a play out there just to put it on film, right? <laughs> and that's the idea because that gives the opposing coaches more film and more things to prepare for. Right? Right now. Barca, and especially the last three years, has been a one-trick pony, and everyone knows how to defend it. And you're right. We need to incorporate more variables in this kind of offense that we're running. Again, we had that before in Valverde's first year with the 4-4-2, when he brought that out in the Classico, when he brought that out against, you know, in, um, where was it? Not Leganes, but uh, in Hitafe, for example, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. In Hitafe. And so... You know, we were able to see the different formations and tactics. And so, yes, I definitely think that because now 
if he starts to use the 4-2-3-1 a little bit more, then all of a sudden in the bigger matches, what's he going to do? And the teams have to prepare for one more wrinkle. Right, exactly. Uh, now, as far as personnel goes, you know, Samedo's still injured, Alba's still injured. So we're going to be looking at Firpo at left back. We're going to be looking at Sergi Roberto at right back, uh, almost certainly. As mm. much as I would like to see a few minutes for Wage, I, let's be honest, it's just not going to happen. Sergi yeah. Roberto's going to be at right back. And in the center back, we're going to have Longley and we'll probably have PK because uh, he is fit. He did. He took that bad knock last weekend against Atletico, but it turns out it wasn't serious. He'll be available, and Valverde will almost certainly use him. But as I've said a number of times, this would be a good match for Todibo. I should just put it on a. I should just <laughs> save the recording of me saying that, and then I could just throw it in. Loop it up, loop yeah. it up, baby. I mean, again, this is one of the matches where I, if I were the manager, I would go with a half reserve, half starting team, and then have a couple of the starters ready to go if I need to break that glass in case of emergency. Right. But this type of match, I would definitely use half and half, especially like, for for example, I would have used Todibo just to give PK even more time. Because what I mean, against Mallorca, we should be okay with any tactical formation or any team that we run out there, especially at home. We've been playing better at home. We score more at home. I just want to be able, as I always say, as a manager, you always have to keep your team connected and engaged because if they know that they're never going to play, for example, Lenya, then you lose them, right? And you just have to keep away. I really wish the Copa del Rey started sooner to give some of these players more opportunities to play, but that's not happening. Again, I think it would be a perfect opportunity for Todibo, for example. Um, you know, I, I'm interested too, also, Brian, if we do go to a 4-3-3, if it's Rakitic, Artur, and Dijon again. Yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, the scheduling this year has been different, and it's really put those those secondary players on the back burner for longer than we're used to. You know, normally by now they would have seen some Copa del Rey action. Now, because of the putting the, all the international stuff early, pushing Copa del Rey until after the holidays. Since they know that's the schedule, maybe they've prepared mentally for it. But it's got to be tough to to try and stay engaged in training and everything when you know you're not going to play until you know, the first round of Copa del Rey, which is in like February. Yeah. I mean, just think about Alenia's position, right? He started the first game of the season and has barely got any minutes and he none. was going to none. Right. And he was going, it looked like he was going to come in at the Atletico match, but then PK got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's just like, man, man right? new men, new men, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So and, close. I know. And so again, uh, if I were him, I would be super frustrated, especially if you're doing the work, you're doing the time, you're performing, you think, decently in practice, and the coach doesn't give you any kind of inkling. He's like, oh, Copa del Rey. And you look at the calendar, you're like, Copa del Rey. Oh, my God. January 2020. Jesus. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm looking forward to the match. I want to see. I want to, I want them to get that 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 vibe that some that, swagger that swagger back to be able to pound someone and just fool with them and play with them you know i want to see that because that sounds so mean it is but we need to get that swagger back so that it can carry us through yeah. you know because right now you know mallorca coach is probably building out they're like we beat madrid why not barcelona and those guys are going to be believing that they can beat barca and we really have to stomp them out unfortunately just crush those dreams correct crush them <laughs> Crush them. Dominate life. Downsize that, Jamie. Ugh, gross. <laughs> but yeah, I, I take your point. All right, well, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend, and we'll be back on Monday to review it. 
Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Become a member to fund the show and enter to win two VIP tickets to El Clasico next season. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.